oh, good. Man, I was just thinking when we were trying to, there was a rough start and we were trying to connect and I was just thinking maybe it's the, it's the powers that be, man. I don't want to talk. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> oh, yeah, to think about it. But, yeah, as I was saying before, yeah, I really appreciate you um, coming on to my humble little podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I like the name of it, A Fortunate yeah, Life. Oh, Isn't it? Yeah, okay. after um, Albert Facey, is that where you got it from? Um, yeah, well, actually, it's unordinary because unordinary. Um, that's right. Yes. Yeah, Sorry. and it was sort of it was so hard to come up with a name, to be honest. Mm. And um, <clears throat> the only problem with my name is because it's IRA. I know. I listened to your introduction. That's funny. Oh, okay. Oh, you did listen to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I did. There, so. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a bit weird. So I explained all that, but I was, and Hills Bloke was my gamer thing, and I was like, yeah. you know, it's kind of semi-marketable, marketable, not mm. too um, dissimilar to Lady Liberty, really. <laughs> yeah. um, which I actually want to ask you about that later. Mm. But yeah, no, and I just wanted to actually say to you mm. before we kicked it off, um, when when I asked you to come on, because it's been hard to be honest. Like um, a lot of people say yes, but actually getting people on is like really hard, and I kind of don't like to pester people as well you know so mm. it's a bit tricky but um when you messaged me back and said that you would come on you um you actually said to me in the message you said oh and also good on you for starting a pod we need more free mm. thinkers putting content out there and I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciated that comment because you know what that day I really needed it because mm. I had a rough like uh and I'm getting a, not disheartened and look I, I'm not going to quit but yeah, it's been a lot harder to get people um, on than I thought sort of thing. And I'm just sort of trying to chip away, like, quality over quantity. And But, yeah, I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciated that comment. Yeah, it made me Well, we need more people like you putting yourself out there and just talking about stuff that other people won't. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, I found it was quite thoughtful. I was thinking about that. Do you find that... Um, that you kind of notice things like that that other people don't notice? Because a lot of people would have done that as well, but a lot wouldn't. Mm. Um, I just try and give support to people who support me because it can be lonely on this side of politics or this ideology. So when yeah, people sure. reach out to me, like I'm, I'll talk to anybody. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm just yeah. a country girl trying to do the right thing by my country. So... <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I just wanted to let you know. I appreciate that. So, actually, do you, do you mind me asking as well? How old are you? Because I realised the other day I don't even actually know. I know, <laughs> I'm thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. It's I'm, hard to pick. Some people can't pick how old I am, but I don't yeah, know if that's well, a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? I'd say like anything from yeah, probably that twenty-five to thirty-five. I yeah. Think <laughs> But yeah, okay, yeah, well, I'm the big 5 so oh, um, wow. just so you know, yeah, um, okay. it happens quicker than you think, don't worry, Aww. but yeah, so I'm 50, which is kind of interesting, I'll talk to you, mention that um, about later, there's a weird thing that does happen to you, you know, like when you hit midlife crisis kind of thing, so yeah, but I found, um, yeah, so I wanted to say, I've been following you on socials for a while, mm. and um, I found you to be quite an interesting cat sort of thing, mm. and you're quite an unusual combination of like personality traits. Is that something that you hear a lot about yourself? Yeah, people can't pigeonhole me. 
um, yeah. because I, I look quite different. I have quite a few tattoos um, yeah. and I'm, I'm quite outgoing, but I'm actually very introverted. <laughs> and yeah. then obviously being 35 and people can't judge my age. And then I, I grew up on a farm, so I'm, I'm actually a country girl, but I can blend into the city and I'm, I'm just a bit of a social chameleon, I suppose, which, you know, I just like talking to people and hearing people's stories. So, yeah. Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah, I feel like mm. I found you quite, well, I'm sort of similar in a lot of ways. I like mm. talking to people, that's for sure. And yeah, I just thought like you're an unusual combination. You don't see kind of people like you very often. The other thing is mm. you're obviously highly intelligent, which kind of like, you know, people would probably try and pigeonhole you like, oh, because you got tattoos, you know, rah, rah. But, mm. um, but yeah, no, I've found um, being quite interestingly uh, interesting uh, following you. And, um, yeah, so I wanted to sort of ask you, um, like, uh, where you said you grew up on a farm. Whereabouts did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up about two and a half hours north of Adelaide in South Australia oh, yeah. um, in a small country town in the foothills of the Flinders Ranges and I spent my weekends on my grandmother's farm. So that's how I was introduced to shooting and hunting. It was part of my upbringing. So my father is a hunter and shooter and I just spent my weekends out with him and my brothers and sisters and my cousins on the farm, you know, spotlighting with dad and yeah, grew up, you know, quite isolated, went to the big smoke in Adelaide to visit my grandfather and other family. But yeah, just so grew up in the country. Yeah, okay, so on a farm, like a sheep farm sort of? Or um, yes, and wheat and grains as well. So we had yeah. cows for a while as well and then obviously chickens is part of most farms. Um, yeah, so um, I'm grateful for that upbringing because I find that's kept me quite humble and grounded. Like I was always taught to, yeah, sure. you know, never be be snobby or up yourself or anything like that. So I find that's really kept me like down to earth is that humble country upbringing yeah for sure yeah I spent a lot of my childhood on farms as well and my sisters are both sheep farmers so Mm. yeah it's um my best mate comes from farming I find those people just tend to be a bit more down to earth and (laughs) tend to cut Mm. through the bullshit a bit better (laughs) yeah and you have to be more genuine like in a small country town you know, word gets out if you're a bad person or if you mistreat people. So I'm very conscious in my interactions with, I'll talk to anybody and, you know, sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it gets me in trouble. But, yeah, uh, yeah, just um, that's why I find it a little bit hard sometimes in the city and in this day and age is that people seem to have lost respect for each other and aren't as genuine as what I'm used to. So, uh, especially in politics as well, people aren't as genuine <laughs> as you would hope and a lot of yeah. self-interest. So, But I never went into this. You were asking me about Lady Liberty before. That kind of, that was never my, I never had an intention or goal of being Lady Liberty. It kind of just yeah. has evolved into this uh, character, I suppose, which is still me, but I kind of put that there to protect myself a little bit because, you know, being genuine and down to earth, I you can get taken advantage of a little bit and, and I have had the trolls and people come after me. So, you know, Lady yeah. Liberty, like Liberty is what I believe in um, and what I stand for and I'm I'm horrified at the direction our country is going in. So so that's why I'll continue to speak out. 
Yeah, well, I kind of want to ask you a little bit about that and the branding around Lady Liberty, but mm. I'm sort of jumping ahead a little bit because I want to know sort of like a little bit more about you, mainly because I find like if I find out where people went to school and stuff, mm. like it gives my listeners a good picture as well. So, yeah, when you said hunting as well, what sort of, were you sort of mainly shooting rabbits and foxes and that kind of stuff, I guess, around the farm? Yeah, and because uh, I lived in the foothills of Flinders Ranges, uh, it's a beautiful part of the world. My dad would go up uh, hunting goats for culling as well oh, because, yeah. you know, goats are quite damaging to the environment. So um, lots of culling of goats, foxes, rabbits, and then my dad's into game hunting. So he's been up north and and hunted camels, but I've just sort of stayed around the, the culling side of things and conservation side of hunting haven't really like I respect um, game hunters and I have a beautiful real fur coat that I yeah, I, saw that. I got I got trolled for on Twitter um, but no well I'm, I'm proud to support hunters and I think they they play an important role and and seeing my dad and the time and energy that he spends doing it because he cares about this country as well uh, I, I'll always speak out for hunters and the duck hunting stuff in Victoria and the attempts to ban that as well when that, to me, I've been around that kind of side of hunting where it's providing food for the table. And, you know, when I go home, my dad, he venison in the freezer, like we cook that up together and feed the whole family. So that's where I come from and it's trying to educate people about that side of it. That's why we hunt um, and take the emotion out of the debate, which I find at the moment a lot of, politics and and topics uh is all about emotion rather than facts and rationality so i always defer to facts and rationality because that's what i think counts at the end of the day yeah but you kind of outlined a um yeah bit of a deep problem there that the fact that it is a lot a lot of it's based about emotion how mm. do we fix that well it's also i find when I have debates about firearms, it's usually the people who have never shot a gun in their life, never been to the range, never been out on a farm, who have the strongest, loudest opinions. And I've invited a lot of people to the range with me just to show them, like, it's not scary. Like, I understand that it can be a little bit intimidating. I mean, I grew up around it. So for me, I was taught about basic firearms handling and what to do if you come across a firearm, how to tell if it's loaded or not, uh, basic safety principles. And that to me that people don't know that, especially if they're in the city, that to me is is not a good way to, for society to live. I would like people to at least experience and, and have some introduction to firearms to to get rid of this stigma that it's scary or bad or people who own guns are a threat to public safety, which is what we're seeing in Western Australia at the moment. That's the direction that the debate is going in, even though 90,000 people and the incidence of gun gun crime in Western Australia is all from criminals. So I try and educate people and, and invite them and be inclusive, which I find in shooting the shooting world, it's a little bit clicky. And as a young-ish female in the sport, once you get in, it, it's fine. I've had so many people support me and and be welcoming and, and they love having me at the range and I really would love to see more women involved and a bit more of a welcoming culture because that's how we win the debate. It's being inclusive and educating others about how fun this sport is. I mean, if, if you've taken people out, especially like clay shooting, 
they actually get to see them hit a target and you see how excited they are. So I really want to try and get more people introduced to what we do because understanding that's all we need. You don't have to love it. You don't have to get a firearms license, but just understand why we we hunt or we shoot or we go to the range. And I think that's how we win the debate. So hopefully the shooting organisations in WA can mobilise because I think the time for conversation with this government, Mark McGowan, Paul Papley, is over. Uh, It's not consultative. They're pushing through their agenda. They don't care what we have to say. So let's get the community on side. And I really think that we can do that. Well, yeah, you nailed it there. And the thing is, what it comes down to is what you said, education. And Mm. back in the 50s, right, they used to have shooting ranges down the hallway of schools with BB guns. Mm. But they took all that away. And, you know, there's a good show, I think it was on YouTube or some streaming device thing that I saw where they got a bunch of these people, right, who were like freaked out by guns and they did exactly what you just said. They took them out on farms, they took them to the range and they gave them all go, every single one of them after they've experienced, they come back and they say, oh yeah, we get it. Yeah. Well, I'm from South Australia and I worked um, for the Sporting Shooters Association of Australia in the national office, which is based in Adelaide and Canberra. And the scouts groups there, part of their uh, program is shooting. So they're introducing younger people and, and kids basically to safe firearm practices. I mean, when I campaigned at the election and I said, you know, I think basically children should be educated oh you want guns in schools no the scouts are doing it already so yeah yeah, but it's the emotional argument that that we struggle with and I see in the shooting groups and on the Facebook pages you know we're quoting statistics and homicide statistics and this and that I think the time for relying on facts now is is over Um, We do have the facts on our side and statistics, but people want to have that emotional conversation too. So I say when I go home, I love going home and going out hunting with my dad because that's bonding, that's father-daughter time, and to me that is quality time. So when I start saying things like that, people go, oh, so that's actually part of your culture. So if you want me to respect your culture, which, you know, if, if you're living in the city and your culture is going for brunch on the weekend with your mom, that's great. My culture is going out into the bush with my dad. And 99% of the time, it's bushwalking. It's, you know, enjoying nature. It's getting out there. It's keeping my dad fit. You know, he's nearly 70 and he's, he's fit as a Mali bull because he's out there doing that every weekend. So I'll respect your activities and culture, but can you please show me respect for what I do? Yeah, and that's well, the thing about respect, which I feel we've lost, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same, yeah. I feel like mm. we're losing that. You know, well, I heard a wicked quote the other day. What is it? They they all want us, they want us to be all different but think the same way. Mm. Yeah. That... The illusion of, like, you know, difference, but, yeah, just as long mm. as you think what they think. Yeah. And that's the problem that I have with the collectivist approach that governments seem to be going towards in Australia is they're not respecting individual rights anymore. And we saw that during COVID. Uh, and you, one of your questions to me was about what is a libertarian? Um, I don't know if you want me to get into that yeah, now. Yeah, let's go there, yeah. Yeah. So for me, <clears throat> I, growing up, I was always 
more conservatives because I'm Irish Italian by background you know grew up in the country so more of like a a nationals kind of political background or conservative the liberal sense but I was always socially progressive because you know I have friends that are gay and I'm I'm all about you know society doing what you want as long as you're not hurting anybody else so it was really hard for me to reconcile my conservative values in terms of free markets and smaller government but also accepting the kind of progressive side of society which is about you know doing what you want as long as you're not treading on anyone else um, and it wasn't until I came across former Senator David Meinhelm when I was working for SSAA National that I realised, oh, the word is libertarian. I'm actually a libertarian and I find all of my principles align with that kind of thinking, like personal yep. responsibility, private property rights, voluntary association, individual <coughs> freedom, all of that really resonated with me and I'd been living my life like that. I just didn't know that that's what I was. And Australia, like it's big in America, but Australia, we're still trying to educate people about what that word actually means. And the Liberal Democrats, which is the party I've been associated with for the last seven, eight, nine years, has just rebranded to Libertarian Party, which I think is a good step towards educating Australians about what that actually means. We're not liberal. We're not Democrats in the American sense. We are libertarians and that's what yeah. it means so really you summed it up there basically you know you should be allowed a personal responsibility you should be allowed to do what you want as long as you're not hurting anybody else that's pretty much it eh? yeah when I say that to people uh just in conversations at the pub or you know meeting <laughs> new people they go yeah actually I, I can I'm get too, around yeah. that hmm well I was going to say this to you right here's the problem with this which is it does my head in a bit if you talk to anybody, right, you'll struggle to find somebody who goes against that. Like that's every, what everybody says that they want. But mm. when it comes like time to go into that ballot, something happens to their fucking heads, in my mm. view. Mm. And I don't know what it is, but you know, like I tapped out of like voting major parties, like oh man, probably like fifteen, twenty years ago. And I generally just go for an independent or, where possible, I've been voting you know, Fishers and Shooters Party, like where they've had candidates, you know, because I figure, like, yeah, I realised a long time ago, this, like, but the problem, and a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, fuck the main parties and the rest of it, but they'll still vote Labour and Liberal. <laughs> mm. It does my head in. I think we have a culture in Australia where people turn to the government for help first before turning to their communities or their families or even themselves. And to me, I don't think that's a healthy culture at all uh, because Mm. you've created a dependence on the government, which has created a huge welfare state in Australia, which is why we pay such high taxes. And it's not a healthy culture. And, And for me, I was always taught you know, you look after yourself first. If you need help, your family is there to help you, your community. Uh, My gun clubs help me, you know, when you're going through a tough time and need someone to talk to, like have those support networks around you. And then the government should be the last person you turn to for help. But in Australia, it seems to be 
it's always and you listen to it in the news it's always like oh the government needs to give more money for this the government needs to do that it's like why don't we just try and take the responsibility into our own society and our own lives before we start looking to the government because as Ronald Reagan said government is not the solution to our problems government is the problem well you know what that question that you just posed, I heard you answer that on the uh, No Man's Land podcast oh. <laughs> last week. Because the thing is, right, and look, I do want to talk to you about specific issues later, but mm. we could talk at nauseam about the things that are wrong with our country, right, which is mm. exactly what we'll do, as I said. Mm. But really, what it comes down to, right, I've always come to the conclusion that it's apathy. Mm. Right? And this is exactly what you said on the podcast last mm. week. You said it comes down to the point that people just don't care enough about it and I reckon that that is the answer Mm. yeah and somehow we have to change that because oh you know what I reckon it is well this is my theory based on apathy Mm. it's that life's actually a bit too good you know what I mean Mm. and it's a bit too easy and I've got this theory that you know adversity is what actually causes humans to force change and if you look at the cycle, the way the world's gone, you know, like it goes good for a while. And, you know, the saying about hard times and good men, right? Mm. Um, and I think that's part of the problem is that the world's just not, you know, and I'll use this as a quick fun example because my son's 15, right? And he's also into politics. And I actually want to ask you that, what your earliest kind of political thoughts were. But he's, he's figured this shit out too, right, Kate? And he says to me, Dad, like, we need a revolution, right? So this is what I say to him, right? I say, all right, no worries. Well, son, you go first through the door, mm. right? And then he realizes, oh, shit, no one mm. wants to be first through the door. Well, this is what I noticed when I was in America because I've been to the USA quite a few times and I love that country. But they actually fought for their freedoms, whereas yeah. Australia, we were given it given it to us on a silver platter really. I mean, we yeah. had the Eureka Stockade and, you know, Anzacs in Gallipoli, but... In terms of in Australia, apart from the Eureka Stockade, we haven't actually revolutionised or fought for for this country here, whereas America has their history on our soil. They fought for their independence and they fought for their rights and for their constitution, so they value it and they will defend it, you know, with the Second Amendment, with those kind of strong beliefs, like don't tread on me, like that's very Mm. well known over there, but Australia, we've... We haven't had to fight for it. So it's almost like we need something to go really bad here. Well, <laughs> I think we, <laughs> I said after the federal election, we're going to learn the hard way because yeah, we've voted in right. this, you know, left-leaning government and, and what they're doing oh, now man. with the voice, which I, I'm terrified about in terms of creating a two-tiered society and, and giving rights to a, a specific group of people based on race. It's a race-based policy. And I don't know if you want to get into that because that's quite a can of worms, but I see things like that and I'm terrified for the future of our country and, and what these politicians are doing. Yeah, well, the, well, here's the, the only hope, right, is let's go there because it's something I wanted to talk to you about later. But really, like people like you, you know, like the next generation of pollies coming up. Because, like, I just look at this current bunch and, like, it just does my fucking head in, you know. Mm. I think, how the hell do we let this happen? And, like, yeah, I don't know. Because, like, on a lot of podcasts, right, I do hear, you know, you know, a lot of people talking about what's wrong. And I kind of try to focus on, 
like what can we actually do you know and that and then but it's hard you know and then that's what i'd be interested to get your thoughts on um and look i know um like you said before you've had your trolls and your issues and mm. all the rest of it i think that's part of the reason why people don't want to go into politics because it's a bit of a shit show you know and mm. then you end up with duds what do you think about that yeah, I didn't want to go into politics. I kind of just fell into it out of a sense of duty because I didn't see anybody who was inspiring me <laughs> apart from former Senator David Linehelm. And then okay. to me, I've I've never really been comfortable putting myself out there, which might sound a bit strange because, you know, I've got tattoos and I've done all these photos and, and whatnot. <laughs> but for me, it's not about me. It's about the message and the cause. And I've always said, to my party and to anybody that I will do whatever it takes to get this message across. Uh, so I kind of put myself secondary to that, which can cause other problems. <laughs> but yeah, but you to, know, they're mm, all pretty good leadership qualities, all those things. Well, I just, I can't, like you said, like we're looking at this generation or this current bunch of politicians and, you know, apart from people like Senator Jacinta Price or, you know, uh, even Senator Bridget McKenzie, for me as as a woman, not that I really buy into the gender stuff, but, you know, it is it is different. Men and women are different and we have different issues and being in the public eye, we have different uh, challenges. And that's fine. Uh, I was always taught never to use my gender or where I come from as a kind of victim thing, like other politicians, um, like Green Senator Hans- Sarah Hansen Young, for example, uses yeah. victimhood. I don't want to ever be like that. So, you know, I'll put yeah, myself okay, out there and you can criticize me as long as it's respectful. I mean, when I see stuff about my looks or whatever on social media, I, I try and turn it turn it tune out because that to me is not don't read the comments yeah don't read the comments and actually that's what rogan always says yeah don't read the comments and campbell newman um former premier of queensland he said that to me as well as advice so yeah good advice yes and i'm lucky that i've been surrounded by really strong support supporting mainly men um who like senator david minham he's a close friend and a mentor of mine um Dr. John Humphreys, who founded the Liberal Democrats or now Libertarian Party, you know, he's a close friend too. So I've got enough people behind me supporting me and mentoring me for every, you know, one bad person. There's 10 strong men behind me who are really helping me and I can't do it alone. I have to stress that enough. So please any yeah. like like you were saying before the show, like I said, you know, thank you for doing this podcast. You know, sometimes it, it, you can get, especially in this world when there's not enough free thinkers out there, it can get very isolating and lonely. So those nice comments, just thanks, Kate, or, you know, love your work, that means the world to me. So I appreciated what you said before the show as well. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. There's, like, good blokes out there because, honestly, from like, I'm a bloke, but, you know, I reckon the way women have been treated, particularly in politics, has been pretty average up until now and still got long way to go I reckon but it gets better and I was actually going to ask you about that do you find that that's actually especially because you are such an unusual combination of you know personality traits um do you have you found that's been like I know you're not you're basically saying to me I don't want to play the victim card but Mm. have you found like you've come up against plenty of shit because of it surely (laughs) 
Yeah, I get pigeonholed because of my age and I'm older than most people think I am. Like I'm 35, born in 1987, the 5th of November actually, Guy Guy Fawkes Day. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just find it funny I was born on Guy Fawkes Day. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Canberra and we used to have the firecracker night. Nice. Now they're all banned, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, another thing banned. Sign of the freedom times. taken away. Yeah. Hey, so yeah, I wanted to ask you, so how did you actually come up with Lady Liberty? And um, tell me a little bit about that and the process of like, because I, I actually think it's really clever, right? And I'll tell you why, because, you know, um, it's kind of like, uh, to me, it's a lot more marketable than just like, you know, I'm nothing that, that is wrong with, um, you know, your name, mm. <laughs> but it's sort of like, you know, this is what people do now. People have gamer tags, like, Hey, like I'm doing it and like, um, yeah, I think, and it's, yeah, got a lot of, lot going for it. So yeah. Can you sort of tell me a little bit how you came up with that? Yeah. So Kate Fantanel is my name, but Fantanel people, you know, it's an unusual name. It's uh, Italian background. So I, yeah. So I went to America for the first time in 2017 and I remember vividly seeing the Statue of Liberty in New York, uh-huh. and I was just, uh, it brought a tear to my eye. Uh, Grand wow. Canyon as well brought a tear to my eye and Ayers Rock. They're the three things in my life that I've seen that have actually brought a tear to my eye. Um, and just learning about the American uh, respect for liberty really triggered something inside of me in 2017. And then when I was running for the Senate as the lead Senate candidate for Western Australia for the Libertarian Party, um, I just thought, you know, what do I stand for? And it was liberty. And then, you know, being a woman, like I'm not going to shy away from that, Lady Liberty. So, uh, and then there's uh, Lady Liberty, there's a song by Rancid, I'm into my punk and punk rock. Uh, So there's a man called Rancid and I've got a song, Lady Liberty, and also Alexis on Fire, Sons of Privilege, they sing about Lady Liberty. And, yes, so I just thought, you know, that's what I stand for. I'm a woman. Uh, I want to bring liberty to Australia, so Lady Liberty. <laughs> yeah, okay, and that's how you came out with it. Yeah, I reckon yeah. it's really clever. It's pretty cool. I was going to mention, like, your taste in music too because, like I said, I've been following <laughs> your stuff for a while, and I see a bit of uh, Lana Del Rey on there. Oh, yes. I like my sad girl music as well. <laughs> yeah, but I'm right. actually well, a punk rocker. I've got Blink-182 tattoos, Nirvana tattoos, Um. Yeah, but I grew up listening to, you know, Pink Floyd with my dad, so CBGBs. Yeah, you've got quite a wide taste. Yeah, Yeah. well, I've got something (laughs) fucked up for you. Like, I'm a 40, uh, 50-year-old male man, and I like Lana Del Rey. Oh, beautiful. Good. (laughs) There's something about that, um, like, melancholy, like, you Mm. know, type, um, I don't know what it is. And, like, it's not, it's weird because it's not off all moods, I say, but there's some times Mm. where, like, yeah, you just want to like listen to summertime sadness, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that was my theme tune for the recent summer. Just gone. I had a bit of a sad, sad girl summer, but oh, um, really? uh, it's a, it's a happy girl winter. So <laughs> ebbs oh, and flows. You got so much opportunity ahead of you. If I was thinking, mm. what would I say to my thirty-five year old self mm. before? I was thinking, man, you got so much opportunity ahead of you. You don't realize, yeah. So, hey, you said before you've been to America. I wanted to kind of touch on that um, mm. because um, 
I've got a theory for you, right? I want to, and look, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here a little bit, but not really. But I want to push back, and you'll know what I mean when I finish mm. saying all that. But I've got a theory about America, right? And um, my mate Corbett and I actually talked about it in the last podcast we just did with him. Because we, we follow US politics as kind of one of our hobbies. and But one of the things that we say about America, right, is that it's actually the most undemocratic nation on earth. Now, it's kind of a joke, but really what we're saying is, like, because of the whole system of, like, you know, the way the vote's going, I'm sure you're across it, like, collegiate vote and all the rest of it. To explain it in layman's terms for people listening, like, basically, one person doesn't necessarily equal one vote. It depends where you come from and all the rest of it, how votes are located. The other thing is, if you actually look up, like, they do, like, a freedom kind of rating thing, and they use all different social scores and stuff to come up with things. It's a bit like the, you know, standard of living thing that they come up with every year. Like, America doesn't even rate in the top 20, right? Mm. And, you know, if you go down, because a rabbit path of, like, if you look at how many people die over there just, you know, at the hands of police, the gun problem, which I actually think is more of a mental health problem than a gun problem. But if you look at the place, like no um, real health care, like, you know, I just wanted to push back. And then, but the, the one thing I will say about it, obviously, is the fact that they do have the amendment. And, and I, I see that, like, you know, following American politics is that it's kind of not really a country. The name gives it away, the United States. And what I do mm. like about it is the fact that it doesn't matter what political persuasion you are, right? There's somewhere that you can go live. Mm. And even though there might be fucking chaos going on like in other places, well, you don't have to be a part of it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'd be interested to see, you know, hear your thoughts on all that. Because, you know, going through COVID, I kind of realised, like, this is the way I sum it up to, you know, people who ask me what I think. I say, well, basically... You know, Americans chose freedom laws over cost of lives, whereas Australian government basically will take away the freedom in order to save a few lives or mm. to say that they are, let's say. So, mm. yeah, a little bit of that is like playing devil's advocate, but I'd be interested to know your thoughts on all that. The one thing that I do like about America is that they do have competitive federalism in the sense that the states have a lot of the powers to legislate and that's what Australia was meant to be. We were meant to be a competitive federal system of government. So gun laws are the perfect example that I can give. So the National Firearms Agreement, which was brought in 1996, it's not actually binding on the states. The states and territories still withhold the residual powers to legislate for firearm laws in this country. But if you listen to the media and you listen to left-leaning politicians, you would think that it's the federal government and the National Firearms Agreement is law. It's not because Australia was meant to be competitive federalism where, you know, if like you were saying, if you don't like living in a state which has oppressive gun laws, for example, you can move if that's what you want to base your where you live on. So in America, like you see Florida and Texas during COVID, they had no mask mandates. They, you know, let people personal responsibility. You know, you saw DeSantis saying that in the media and I don't agree with everything he he does or says, but that's what America is good at. If you don't want to live in New Hampshire, which is 
the Libertarian Party there are inviting everyone to move to New Hampshire and make that the freedom state because the theory is enough libertarians will move there, they'll get elected, they'll reduce the size of government, and then they'll leave everybody alone, which is the libertarian dream. Yeah, so we should do that here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because it's kind of... And that's what I like about it. And the fact that, yeah, you know, like if you're a lefty, you go live in California. That's or whatever, right. You know, knock yourself out. And if you, that's why a lot of people, you probably, I don't know if you follow Rogan, but, you know, his bunch of people have taken the comedy industry basically to mm. Texas. Yeah. You know, and they, like you said, he could, he went there for a trip and they were like, he's like, all the restaurants are open, all the bars are open. You know, they just couldn't believe it. So, but yeah, it's a weird system. Um, do you follow, the US politics much? I do follow yeah. it. And the other thing is, you know, the tax laws. So Elon Musk relocating, I think, Twitter headquarters, Tesla headquarters to Texas because of the taxes in California. Oh, so, yes. yeah, things like that. The other thing I will say that I do like about America's system of government is that voting is voluntary. It's not compulsory like it is here. Uh, And Australia is one of the few democracies in which government compels people to vote in elections, which forces political parties to pander to those who are apathetic or uninformed. So you're getting a lot of uninformed voters. And I saw that, I've seen that every time I've done how to vote cards and handed out them. I'm one of those annoying people at the booths. (laughs) Uh, People don't know what they're voting for. And, and, you know, you have a conversation with a Greens voter or a Greens volunteer and and they want oh we want free dental we want free we want rent freezes and it's like do you understand the economic impact that you that that will create because they just hear free this and free that and it's not actually free and then you try and explain to them well it will see taxes go up because you know it's wealth distribution as well and they don't want to hear it they just hear free and that they turn off uh, which is yeah. terrifying to me. So I don't think voting should be compulsory in Australia because that's how we get these politicians elected because of uninformed yeah. voters. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because I've got the same thing. Um, I don't reckon it should be compulsory, right? And here's mm. what I say to people when they ask me, I say, you're just cutting out the shallow end of the gene pool. <laughs> mm. Well, like, then you, you know see I mean? the Greens wanting to lower the vote to 16 and I don't know oh. about you but when I was 16 oh. I wasn't really making good world choices no. so <laughs> it's just more easy gets that's mm. why that's what they're doing that's right and you're diluting the quality that's part mm. of the problem yeah mm. yeah oh well, and what do you reckon um about the upcoming election um you reckon Trump has is he going to get in is he going to DeSantis Biden is he running oh, again God, Kennedy? I know. what are your it, thoughts on all that it's scary watching the uh, the leaders of the free world and it's oh Joe Biden, which I would, you know, <laughs> it's almost elder abuse. I mean, he's not healthy, like regardless what yeah, you no, think he, of his policies. He's in not. In seriousness, he did, right? Not, yeah. Are um, you Trump, much of a Trump fan? Or? Uh, I like some of the things that he's said and done, but I disagree with the, some of the things he's said and done. And I think yeah, that's healthy. Like I think that's I healthy. I kind of like the fact that he's just shook him up a bit. I like the fact that he just says it how it he how it is, and he's very smart in talking to the people on the ground. You know, he he just says it what he thinks and take it or leave it. 
Um, But I remember former Senator David Lionhelm saying to me, it's actually not healthy to 100% agree with any politician. Um, You know, maybe 90%, 90%, that's really good. But, you Mm. know, most of the time it's, you know, 50% these days for me. So who do you uh, think wins, Trump or Biden? It'll be interesting. It's scary. It is scary. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of hope that maybe DeSantis, they'll give him a run for the Republican Party. But, yeah, I try not to tell other countries what to do. Yeah, of <laughs> so, course. Well, you know? Here's my theory about that. The problem is mm. that with Trump and DeSantis, I think, is they'll probably take votes off each other. Yeah. Um, and I think Trump probably gets it. But I think, to be honest, I hate to say it, I think he probably loses to Biden. I don't know. That Trump, well, he lost the last election. I know these, they're, and look, you know, is the percentage of rig voting in America zero? Right? No. Right. But did it, you know, affect the outcome? I don't know. I think both sides probably do it, to be honest. So anyway, the history will show he lost. He didn't mm. get enough to win, put it that way. And I'm not sure if he can do it again, to be honest, which is a bit sad because Biden, the thought of Biden getting in again. Have you ever, um, have you ever heard Bill Hicks's pick on, what happens when you win the American presidency? No. I'll tell you, right? Bill Hicks, he's my favourite stand-up comedian mm. of all time because he's just like, he fell out of the same tree of us as us, right, but he's a comedian. And here's mm. what he says happens, right? He says, when you win the American presidency, I'll try not to butcher it for the Bill Hicks fans. Mm. Basically, you, you go to the White House, they wheel you off into a little side room. They see they turn all the lights off and a little film comes down, you know, and the little film starts rolling and he says, it's a shot of the Kennedy assassination from an angle you've never seen before. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Then a little film rolls up and he said, there's a there's the table of faithless men. And they say, any questions? And you say, just what my agenda is. And then they say, first we bomb Baghdad. <laughs> and he says, you got it. And that's what Bill Hicks reckons. And you know what? That's mm. a stand-up comedian bit. But I reckon mm. like, Joe, isn't Joe Biden just living proof of that, that mm. he's not running fuck all? Mm. He's just, you know what I mean? So then you've got to ask yourself, well, who's really in who's charge Who's running yet? the show? That's what terrifies me with what's happening in WA with the gun laws at the moment is that we're seeing the police dictate to the elected politicians what yeah. laws will be, and that's not how it should work. We elect politicians to write the laws and the police are the enforcers and they just happen to also be the regulators in terms of firearms licensing, which is also, I don't think, healthy. But you're seeing a, a trend in unelected bureaucrats and we saw it during covid the chief yeah. health officers and the health departments, and it was different in every state. So you're saying how come in one state they're recommending, you know, masks inside, but in another state it's masks everywhere, outside, inside, on the train, everywhere you the go. The whole thing it, it, was bullshit. <laughs> it's it, it just contradictory. So people were getting confused about, well, what actually, like public health has been destroyed because of unelected bureaucrats and politicians doing what they tell them to do during COVID, I think, in this country. When you when you say it like that, right, you realise, like, how the fuck did we let this happen? Mm. That's what shocks me. Like, all that stuff you just said, it's all real. Like, we're mm. living in a place where... And, like, i got a couple of friends in America, right, and I told them, like, what happened with the Papalia's map. Oh. And they're like, what? 
Mm. And I told him, I said, no. So they're like, hang on, hang on. They're like, so the police leaked a map of the locations of all the gun owners to your state newspaper and they printed it on the front page. Mm. They couldn't fucking believe it. And they're like, Aren't, are those dudes like in jail yet? I was like, mate, it's mm. life as usual. It's terrifying. When you and say that, it like that, it mm. really is. And that's why I, for my Senate campaign, uh, I went to Papalia's office and I had I, I put myself on the uh, political campaign posters with the 303 and with my little 22 pistol just saying give gun owners a fair go. That's what I campaigned oh, yeah. on at my last election. Yeah. Uh, and now we're seeing since then everything that's happened, you know, the ban on high power I'm using that in inverted commas, high-power ammunition, high-powered firearms, uh, and now the five-gun and ten-gun limits on shooters and hunters in Western Australia. Uh, To me, that's offensive because, you know, I've got in my family family heirlooms and guns from Italy. Yeah, Yeah, collectibles, but I have to go on some corporate, they're calling it a corporate license, and I won't even be able to go out and shoot my grandfather's shotgun. And and why? What have I done? What has my family done? And that's the thing. Like we are seeing seeing the biggest gun confiscation since 1996 happening in Western Australia right now because we have an authoritarian government who has absolute power controlling the lower and the upper house and I don't think people realised it. I mean the 2021 March state election in WA was about the border, keeping the border shut because we were looking over east and we saw Melbourne having their longest lockdown, the second longest lockdown city in the world. We yeah. saw the, the cases rising and everyone was confused and scared and we weren't getting the right information. It should never have gone on for two and a half years, and I think everyone can agree on that. It was, should never have been mandated about the, the injections that completely eroded bodily autonomy in this country, and it's been shown since that it actually doesn't stop transmission. I mean, Pfizer didn't even test it on transmission. I'm not a doctor. Oh, I'm not arguing it from that sense. I'm arguing it from an individual civil liberty sense. Right, so I don't want people to go around saying I'm anti-vax or I'm this or I'm that. The evidence is now coming out, and now we're seeing the vaccine injury rates go up, the yeah. the, the excess mortality rates. Fifteen percent. That yeah. So <laughs> no, nothing happened. No. <laughs> Move along, nothing to see. It's just that, like it does my head in. Like mm. like how do we live? How do we let this all happen? And mm. like. More concerned, like really, what do we do about? It? And like I said, the problem is I keep coming back to what you exactly said. Like it's just apathy, and I figure, like, how do we change that? It's Somehow apathy. We've got to figure out a way. It's apathy, and my generation and the next generation, unfortunately, not being taught personal responsibility and having yeah. this culture of turning to the government every time we need help, and yeah. it's not a healthy culture to breed. Well, it's the old, like, really, like I said, libertarians, right? What it's about is personal mm. responsibility. And what they're doing is dumbing that down. Mm. They're dumbing it down through schools and through, you know, the way they treat us. But, you know, people like, you know, like, I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, right? And actually, I mm. want to ask you about that, what your favourite one is. But um, mm. I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, right? And I think the truth's normally, like, somewhere in the middle. But the stuff that went on, like, in the last couple of years, it's just, like, it's just like unbelievable you know you Mm. just can't fathom that we've let ourselves get to this position and like 
I guess like I took some heart, obviously, like from what you said too about you know, well, conversations like this. Mm. This is how we sort of start, you know. But yeah, well, I was going to ask you before. Everyone's got a conspiracy theory they like, right? Except for I noticed those guys on the No Man's Land podcast. I think they love them all. <laughs> I'm oh, not sure. I, I want to ask you about that. But um, have you got one? Have you got one that oh. you like? What's your favorite one? Uh I heard because I've worked in um political offices, uh, like I worked for David Limbrick, who's a Victorian Liberal Democrat, Aaron Stonehouse, yeah. who was a Lib Dem here and, and Senator Lionhelm. So we got a quite a few interesting phone calls. Um, but I think my favorite one is about five G and and microchips Uh, (laughs) so something i don't even understand it like 5g and they can like somehow put a microchip in you and they can control you or something like that (laughs) radio i think 5g is untested in some parts of the world Uh, so yeah i wanted to ask you about these because i've heard you on there a few times and like um i find those guys really really interesting from a like because like you know i'm a bit of a um what do you call it? Like psychology is kind of like a hobby of mine as well. Mm. And um, and I see like actually first thing I wanted to ask you about was how old are those guys? Uh, so No Man's Land, they're all about yeah. my age. Um, about Drew's, Drew's yeah, a okay. bit o- older. I think he's 40, 40s, but the others oh, okay. are 35, yeah. yeah. I was trying to get a gauge because same thing as you. I was thinking uh, these guys could be like early 20s or in their 30s. But, yeah, I find – um. Well, a couple of things I find really interesting about what mm. they do is that obviously like it gets pretty fucking loose on there, as you know, <laughs> and uh, listen to the, like the party one they had oh, and um, God. Yeah, it got pretty loose. <laughs> but um, And I really, because they're kind of anarchists really and I yes. like the way that they're just out there saying, you know what, no fucks given, like mm. you choose to be offended, we're not offensive kind of thing. But then like, and the thing that, make, that I find interesting about these guys, right, is because like, uh, at that age, right, that was me, right? Mm. But then I had this, like, and it's so cliche, I know I don't really like talking about it. My listeners are probably sick of hearing it, but, you know, mm. I did have this, like, midlife crisis. Something happens to you at the end of your 40s. Mm. And then I got thrown on top of that. I was sort of already, like, knee-deep in that. And then I had a heart attack mm. and I had two stents put in and, like, nearly died, basically. And you won't believe what that does to you. And um, you know what you're saying before about apathy. I, mm. I recommend um, to anybody who's getting a bit, uh, you know, lazy about their lives, just had a heart attack because it'll sort the oh. shit out right real quick. You know what I mean? Oh. So you put those two things together, right? And then I've come out the other end, Kate, and I'm kind of like this um, completely different person in some ways, where mm. I'm more like, I've, you know, I don't want to sound like too much of a soft cunt, right? Because I'm not, <laughs> but you know, I found that, um, you know love and grace and all these kind of things are really the way to get things mm. done right and as an example for exhibit a right i'll say gandhi right okay. the guy changed the whole fucking nation and a subcontent mm. never fired a shot mm. right mandela right so mm. there's a part of me that like really likes what they're doing but then there's a part of me that's kind of like mm, I'm not. I'm not sure if that's how you get things done, right? But I, I sort of see them kind of in a way like as bikies, right? And what I mean by that is, not everyone wants to be one, and this will be super controversial, right? But I like the fact that society has a group of people who just say, you know what, fuck you and your system. We're mm-hmm. choosing to live our lives like a, another way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was just curious on your thoughts on the on those guys and 
sort of like what they're doing because they've got a very interesting format. <laughs> yeah, well, Mahatma Gandhi, I'm so glad that you mentioned him. I, I read and I followed him when I was growing up in high school. Yeah, I remember okay. reading about him because I'm a bit of a history buff. So I read the whole, uh, you know, peaceful separation of Pakistan and India. I've got one of his books here with all his quotes in it. So that pacifist approach to change. Um, and as a libertarian, so, you know, do what you want as long as you're not hurting anybody else. That's why yeah. all, like the non-aggression aggression pr- principle, I don't want to have to take up arms against the government, right, which is what the Americans have the Second Amendment for, essentially. I don't want yeah. to do that. I don't want to harm another human being. But you're right. Where do we get to this point where we're not being listened to? What other means do we have? And I think it should always be peaceful as possible and conversations and and you'll find that even in your personal life a lot of uh, conflict can be resolved by having a conversation picking up the phone Uh, but because we've lost that that sense of respect for each other and you know living in a a world with technology we we don't have to answer the phone anymore I mean I grew up and we had the old home phone so you you had to pick it up because you didn't know if it was a, a family emergency whereas now we can pick and choose and ghost people you know if we don't want to see someone ever again we don't have to answer but I don't think that's respectful and I don't think that it's hurtful actually so I try and live my life by my libertarian principles of not hurting everyone and I'm not saying that I'm perfect and I've definitely hurt people in in my life but I at at 35 I kind of went through that as well a a bit of a midlife crisis you know I'm, I'm I've been married before, I'm divorced, but I have a really beautiful relationship with my ex-husband who's in the military, uh, which was one of the reasons why we clash. Um, But just being sure that if you do hurt someone, you know, acknowledge it and and show that respect and just look after each other on that level. So that's how I try to Really, it's kind of like a Buddhist philosophy, really, Mm. at a basic level, because like I've done so much reading and I consume insane amount of podcasts, mainly because I spend most of my days by myself. But I've come to this point of realizing, like, basically just, you know, treat everything as you want to be treated. Mm. Don't think too much about yesterday or tomorrow. Just enjoy the day. That's Mm. pretty much Buddhism in a nutshell. And it's a pretty fucking good way to live, I reckon. Yeah, well, I've got Carpe Diem tattooed on me because it's something my dad oh, okay, said to nice. me when I when I was 18 and, you know, moved to the big smoke. He wrote me a nice letter and he, the last bit of advice was Carpe Diem, seize the moment. So that's yeah. that's what I've done. Yeah, so, okay, well, that's interesting. So, yeah, well, um, I actually, I dropped those guys a message and actually asked them if they would come on here. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I kind of want to, like, up talk to them about that sort of stuff they said you know what we haven't done other people's podcasts but they would be open mm. to it but i think one of the guys is away at the moment is it um oh, normie yes An- oh normie norm- andrew yeah but yeah i find them like they're pretty entertaining and uh and yeah shit gets pretty loose on there they're they're a good listen and i like the fact that they're um yeah the other thing is by just having them three on i know they have a few guests but see the problem with mine is like i'm relying on guests if i don't have people i don't mm. have a show kind of thing Mm. So, yeah, I was just, and they exist in the same kind of space as me being like on podcasts. So, they would probably know about similar sort of things. So, um, yeah, moving on, I wanted to ask you um, basically, I've moved off the US and I wanted to ask you about Australian politics. Mm. Um, what do you think the state is now? Like, basically, in my lifetime, 
So when I first started sort of tapping out of voting major parties, I noticed that the independent vote was like 1%, 3%, Kate. Then mm. I saw it creep up to like 7, 9. Mm. Then it's like 15, 17. Mm. Then it was 20, 22. And I'm pretty sure I'll have to double check. But I think after last election, it was getting close to like 27, mm. sort of like 30% in some areas. So that kind of gives me hope. I was like, oh, okay. Other people are starting to realize like, this, I don't know what you reckon, but the two-party system is broken, I reckon. And there's so much stuff that, you know, these these people just, you know, like I said, they publish maps and they get away with it and all this kind of stuff. So, But here's the problem with that, right? I heard, a, I think it was Jordan Peterson or someone said, um, and it's a bit of satire, right? But he basically says it's, it's easier to start a new country, right, mm. than to fix one. And basically what he means by that is it's fucking impossible to start a new country. Right. So are we, is it that bad or is there, you know, what do you think about Australian politics? Like, you know, if there's people listening to this, what can they kind of do? Well, I saw it firsthand, the major parties uh, basically make it harder for minor parties and independents to get elected federally when I was working for former Senator David Leinhelm. So they brought in Labor and Liberal brought in changes to the electoral system for the Senate to make it harder for minor parties to get elected. And that's why you've seen, you know, a reduction in representation from the minor parties since uh, that came in. And then also with the Liberal Democrats, the name change. So the Liberal Party during COVID, mind you, rushed through laws while they should have been focusing on other issues to make it illegal for another party to have a similar name. Uh, So that's why the Liberal Democrats have had to change their name to the Libertarian Party. And McGowan Uh. here also has brought through electoral changes after the 2021 state election when uh, because of group voting tickets, the Daylight Savings MP got elected on 98 votes, which obviously isn't what we want. We don't want to see no. someone sitting in Parliament in no. Western Australia, which is never going to have daylight savings. So I feel like it's a bit of a waste of a, a voice. Yeah. Um, so McGowan has changed electoral laws here, but he's also brought in that law about not having similar name. But for me, I'm happy with that because the Liberal Party have completely tarnished the word liberal. It's not the party of Menzies. So for exactly. the Libertarian Party to succeed, I feel like we needed to, as much as I like Liberal Democrats, because that's that's what we stand for, liberal democracies. Unfortunately, that's not what translates in the minds of voters. Democrats, they think American Democrats and liberal, they think Australian yeah. liberals and, and you know, they've tarnished that that word, unfortunately. So yeah. the, the system of government is rigged against minor parties and independents. So it's a little bit disheartening, especially for someone like me, like not that I I don't want to be a politician, but I would like to give a voice to those people who haven't had a voice for so long. And I feel like I can do that. But it's hard when you're looking at the system and, you know, even getting registered as a party in Western Australia, 500 people, $2,000. You need Mm. to put that into the electoral uh, commission to get it all done in time. So for those who want me to represent them in, in WA Parliament, I need to to mobilise and get 500 signatures and $2,000 to have a party and a platform to run on. So that takes a lot of time and work and I don't think people realise how much time and energy and volunteer hours go into that side of politics but there are people out there 
who are trying and trying to be part of the system because unfortunately, like you said, Ira, what can we do? We're not the ones writing the system of government. We're just existing in it. Well, all I can say is thank fuck for people like you. Oh, no. <laughs> because, and look, like, I'll be straight up and tell you, right, like, um, I thought about it myself, right, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, I don't think I had it in me. And what mm. I mean by that is, like, it takes extraordinary people, right, and you need to be prepared for a war, like, mm. not a battle, mm. right? They're going to come at you, they're going to come at you, they're going to come at you, and you mm. have to be prepared to, like, you got to, and look, I honestly think, right, I'll try to encourage you to, you know, follow your political aspirations because I think, like, it, they're going to beat fuck out of you, right? But if you just hang around, uh, one thing I realised in life, right, is that the 100% best way towards failure, right, is quit. Mm. I know it sounds stupid, but if you don't quit, right, then mm. at some point you become the person that's been doing it for 10 years. You become mm. the person that's been doing it for 20 years. And a big part of success is just, like, not quitting you know and and what i said before about you know like adversity like things being hard mm. i think like uh that's sometimes how we, we we get the best out of each other but yeah you know i would encourage you to follow and look be prepared like i said they're gonna beat fuck out of you and you know it but i honestly reckon if you ground it out and just kept going even at you know whatever pace your life allows at the time mm. that at some point you're going to be the one with the experience you've got to remember with politicians too right like Half of them don't start until they're 50, mm. you know, so you got heaps of time, really. Yeah, that's true. And I do have my moments. Um, You're talking about No Man's Land and the 100th episode. I got a little bit loose on that. <laughs> I was actually having a bit of a, uh, a crisis because I was just thinking, God, some of the things that I say, I just say what I think. Like, I have no fear. Yeah. I'm not, I can't, I don't have the energy to be fake. And I yeah. I think, how do you have the energy to lie and, and not be yourself? So mm. I'm just unapologetically, authentically myself. And some people like Lionhelm, you either love him or you hate him. Very polarizing. Yeah. I try and be a little bit more um, respectful. Um, but I do have moments where I think, fuck, I shouldn't have said that or I overshared here. But I'm human, right? And yeah. I'm not going to be this polished, perfect speaking politician because I'm not. No. I'm not. And I never want to be. I'm always going to remain true to myself. So, Well, I'm glad you said that because, like, that's a big part of just, like, liking who you are is just a big part of sorting out life's secrets, so to speak, right? And mm. I always have this little saying I tell people, right? There's heaps of things about me that I don't like, right? Mm. So if you don't like me, we have something in common with yeah. new friends. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is perfect and I'm not perfect and, you know, I've fucked uh, up. Well, and... you know, it's really funny you said that, right? Because, man, it was almost like the universe was talking to me because I was listening to that podcast, right? And I was thinking mm. to myself, I wonder if somebody at some point in time is going to go back and use this against Kate and say, yep. here's, here's some woman who's running for, you know, you you guys want, want this woman to, like, you know, run your seat and, like, look what she's doing. She's been doing this. But yeah, and it's funny, right, because I was thinking about that and then I was thinking, I wonder what 50-year-old Kate mm. would say to 35-year-old Kate mm. if she was listening to this, right? And, like, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that 50-year-old Kate would say, you know what, don't change a fucking thing. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And that's kind of where I've got to. If 
you know, like you were saying, they're going to come after me. There's pictures of they me will. at the NRA holding, you know, say hello to my little friend. They're going to use that against me. Um, yeah. I've been quite open about the fact that I, I'm, I go for the harm minimization principle in terms of drug use, so bodily autonomy. If you want to smoke cannabis because, you know, you've got a medicinal script or even it's recreational, I think you should be able to do that. But I know a lot of people are going to come out and say, oh, she's pro-gun, she's pro-drugs. No, I'm pro-do whatever you like as long as you're not hurting anybody else. So Here's the thing, but right, and one of the other guys said this on the podcast the other week, how do you reckon history's going to record them, but because... What mm. you're saying is only unpopular now. You've got mm. to remember, like, what do you, you know, in 20 years' time, is it still going to be unpopular or are you actually ahead of your time? Well, I've had these conversations with uh, the few like-minded people that have come across and we all kind of come to the same conclusion that maybe we're living in the wrong era. Like maybe yeah. I should have been in the like – my dad said this to me. I would have been perfect in the 70s, you know, the era of yeah, peace and true. protests and, you know, against the Vietnam yeah. War. But I'm, well, unfortunately or fortunately I'm living in this period of time and mm. I feel like I have to make the most of the time that I've got. And you were talking about, you know, your heart attack and how that, you know, really shook you up and midlife crisis. I feel like I've gone through that at a, a younger age just because of my life and everything that's happened to me. But I want to fight. I have that passion and fire inside of me. Sometimes I don't channel it the right way and I'm, I'm trying to get better at that. Uh, but my intentions are always pure and they're always for liberty. So as long as I'm doing that, uh then I'll get up every day and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. You're retro futuristic. Oh, <laughs> Lana like Del Rey. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how they describe her um, style? I yeah. Think? Something like that. Yeah. And no, look, uh, look, you know, and if you never win a seat, like fuck, who cares? Mm. Right. At least you tried, and like at least you will keep those bastards honest. You know, mm. and you're an intelligent woman. Like I can see that, and I reckon you'll find your place. Like wherever you kind of like fit in on the tree, like, you know, you might never be prime minister, but Mm. you'll find your place, I reckon, where you'll kind of like fit in and where you know like you can make a change. And like I said, someone's got to be doing this, like, because we've got to keep these bastards honest, you know. And, um, yeah, I'm glad that you were like able to come on and like sort of have a chat to me about all that. So I did want to probably start wrapping it up. And I honestly did want to sort of ask you, what are your plans for... Mm. um, for the future, do you have plans to like run again or, oh. you know, what's the immediate and the near future hold for Lady Liberty? Well, this year has been a, a bit of a year of uh, self-reflection. Um, so the last 12 months I, you know, I quit my stable job in oil and gas and I ran for the Senate for the Lib Dems and, you know, I didn't think I was going to win but I knew it was the right thing to do. Um, And I'm proud that I got around the 2% and, you know, Campbell Newman got around that as well with a lot more money than me. I felt like I did what I could and I'm so grateful for everyone who came out and supported me and who voted for me and and I apologise that I didn't get across the line and because we really needed a voice and we still do. Um, So obviously firearm laws are my big passion so I'm, I'm trying to do what I can in that space at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm talking to parties like Legalise Cannabis because I support their vision as well. Uh, I'm just trying to, like you said, find my place. And 
I, yeah. I've said to, I've, I've had approaches from other parties who are, who like what I do and I've just said if I'm the right person to run at that time, then I will. <laughs> but yeah. I, I <laughs> it kind of makes my stomach churn, the fact that I might have to work with people like Paul Papalia and Mark McGowan. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but it, oh. you know, I'm not going to shy away from it because we need a voice and I'm, I'm a fighter. And I, yeah, I you know, that. I know they're going to come out after me, but I don't care because it's bigger than me, and it's bigger than ego, and it's bigger than personality. Like this is about the future of, of my country, and you know, anything I can do to put it on the right track, and give people who haven't had a voice and have been disrespected by government, I want to be in there fighting for them. So we'll see. Are no promises, um, but I'll yeah. do what's right, so well, I can like promise that. We- that. We, we need people like you. Hey, I wanted to, something I just put in my notes, which I did want to ask you about mm. when we're talking about the state of Australian policies. When the fuck did the left become the right? Oh, my goodness. Like, what <sighs> happened there? Like, it's just mind-boggling. <laughs> I don't think, like, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when the left were anti-war and yeah, now they're right. changing their profile pictures to, like, supporting Ukraine. Um, yep. I don't know about you, but I the the people who suffer the most are the civilians on the ground, and that's who I care about. So yeah, to me, sure. it blows my mind that the left is putting you know Ukraine and even the mandate. So they're all about bodily autonomy, my body, exactly. my choice when it comes to abortion. But then when it comes to injections, oh no, that we are ignoring that there. Like they're very hypocritical, and that's what I can't stand about the left. <laughs> It's literally like there's been this polar shift. Like I'm a little bit older than you, so since when, since when I was a kid, like I said, what you, what you just said then, you know, they've completely just swapped around. It's, mm. it's but then you say the same thing about the right as well. Like they've given yeah. up their principles of Menzies too. So they're to That's me, right. they're just as bad. That's why I'm proud to be a libertarian. <laughs> yeah, the the right in America has kind of stayed a bit more right. Mm. More so than Australia. And then you get WA. Actually, I did want to ask you your thoughts about WA um, politics too quickly. Mm. So we know what happened in the last election. But here's the thing that mm. kind of scares me, Kate. Like, I, I do think that a lot of McGowan's mismanagement, right, will come back to bite him and it will affect his vote. But I hate, and I hate the fact that I have to say this, right, but I can't, I can't see him losing again. I think he'll probably win. And I'll tell you why. Because the Liberal Party is just like complete rabble. And like the writing was on the wall. My mate Corbett and I talked about it in the podcast. We've pretty, we've got a good track record. We've predicted all the last like five, mm. ten elections. And it's not that hard when you take it as an interest and you go over it. And we could see like, you know, with um, Lisa Lisa and just like the policies that they were putting out, like they were in serious trouble. And then obviously they just completely collapsed. And like, the problem with them too, right, is that, and look, I actually, you know, I sent a message out to Libby because I, I would like to have a chat to her, but she's never going to talk to someone like me. But, you know, she's got like four people there. And like, they're, you know, even if they go really well, it's like a 10-year project for them to, that's the way I see it, for them to even come back to like anything. Or do you think maybe they're just like one or two good people away from like being able to give McGowan a run for your money? How do you see the next sort of, you know, decade playing out for WA? Well, I was approached by the Liberal Party to get involved with them here in Western Australia as one of the other, like I've been approached by a few parties, as I said. Really? But I was also 
called radical, a little bit too radical uh, to be in the yeah, Liberal Party. So, yeah. But They're pretty I, conservative. So, well, are they conservative? They're big spending like the Labor well, Party true. is in Not my fiscally. mind. So if you want to call me radical, I think you're radical with your spending, but they don't want to hear that. (laughs) They don't want to hear that. So unless they return to their roots, you know, the Menzies, classical liberalism, even Malcolm Malcolm Turnbull, even though he turned out to be a fucking disappointment, unless they actually get back to their roots, they're going to continue to lose ground in Australia, which is why I hope and I'm trying to do everything I can to help the Libertarian Party, you know, take some of that ground because we're screaming for a centre-right party in this state. But the Liberal Party, I'm I'm sorry, but I don't think they can organise a a piss-up in a brewery, to be quite frank. So hopefully, you know, I've got people around me that we're trying to mobilise now, but, you know, there there is that disenfranchised people, you know. It's hard. Politics is a hard slog, but people have to realise it affects every aspect of your daily life. The cost of fuel, that's influenced by politics and politicians and decisions made there. The price of your beer at the pub, penalty rates on a Sunday, the time the pharmacy can open, that's all set by politicians. So you, unfortunately, even if you you think politics is ghastly, which, you know, I do, (laughs) you're going to have to start thinking about it because it does affect you and the next generation of people. Yeah, good points. When people say to me, like, because obviously it's one of my hobbies, right, talking politics, and people, ah, man, I don't want to talk about that. I don't give a fuck. I say to them, do you care about healthcare? Yeah. Do you care about education? And then all the things you said, do you care about the prospect? And they go, oh, yeah. Mm. I was like, well, guess what? Get involved in politics. Like, Mm. at least, you know, take notice. You know, because these guys, like, if you take it as a semi-hobby, like, it's they're kind of easy to read. But, yeah, I feel like we've got this systemic, you know, problem in this country where, they just get away with nothing. And, and look, you know, if my mate Corb was on here, he would push back, right? And he'd say, yeah, our system's not as bad as what you think. And, you know, he's got certain good points as well. But I think, um, and look, all I, I do have some kind of hope. I do think that um, mm. we are getting slowly better, you know, and the fact that we are having conversations like this. Like, if you're, the other thing is, okay, if you're a free thinker, right, when I was a kid, and actually I was going to ask you that, like, let's go down that side track real quick sorry but no, how, yes. how old were you were do you reckon mm. when you kind of knew you were a free thinker Just i've on. always been like this yeah. <laughs> much to my so mum's like worry <laughs> yeah. um well i was just raised to to think critically yeah. um my father's highly educated my mum her father died when she was 18 so she didn't go to university but she grew up in the farm and she has that real country way of thinking like that's where I get my down-to-earth side of my my thinking from. But then my critical yeah. thinking comes from my dad and being highly educated. Uh, so I've always yeah, okay. been that's thought to question. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's my – yeah. And I studied journalism because I wanted to be a journalist and tell the stories and tell history. But now I feel – I found that the the stories that I'm telling and the history that we're writing is, is not aligning with my values and how I was raised, which is why I've, I've gone from telling the story to, to kind of being part of the story, I suppose, so – that's yeah, how I've okay. come to this position, yeah. Yeah, so you kind of always knew. Yeah, I was sort of digressing there, sorry. But, Not yeah, I second. find that, you know, there is more of us. Like when I was a kid, right, I just thought like I, I just knew I'm weird. I'm not like mm. other people. But I didn't it. like – and I talked to other free thinkers too, right, and I can't remember one of the 
old Greeks philosophers, I'm going to mess this up, but Seneca basically says that um, the truth rewards the seeker. So mm. if you go look for it, if you go educate yourself and you go look for the answers, a lot of this stuff is not that hard to figure out, mm. you know. But a lot of people just don't. I think it comes back to the apathy. A lot of people just don't take any kind of interest. But, yeah, and I was encouraged, uh, you know, to see the libertarians. Actually, that's what I was going to say. So with the ground that you are taking from the Liberal Party, I mm. know it's like those numbers are significant. And I think, um, do you think the Libertarian Party could kind of grow to you know, give the Liberal Party a run for their money. I mean, it wouldn't be too hard at the moment. Well, the problem with libertarians is we find it very hard to collectivise because we're all about, you know, don't tell me what to do oh, and I'm an individual. Yeah. So it's not yeah. in our nature to Is that why shooters don't vote shooters' party? Well, Maybe that, it's the same thing. Because they don't, don't collectivise very well either. Do you find that? And, like, the shoot... Because at the moment... Uh, I think you might have said this somewhere on socials. All these associations, they should be spending money, like mm. to have campaigns to say, no, this is all bullshit. This is what really happens. And what you said about opening up the clubs, let people come mm. down. Because I know myself, right? So I don't have guns now, but I have access to guns on the farm and I've mm. turned to bow hunting. So I've got a compound mm. bow. But I rang up my, rang up my local club because it's literally like 1K from my house. And I rang them up and just sort of said, oh, I wouldn't mind coming down and having a look. Like, does the club have guns? Can I just like show my son? They basically told me to fuck off. Oh. In nice words. But that's pretty much, they were like, they said something like, we're not babysitters kind of thing like get mm. your own gun come back and speak to us and i was thinking you know what because i spent a lot of years working in advertising and media i used to be a magazine editor mm. and i was thinking man that's bad customer service like you just missed the opportunity for two new members you know what i mean whereas if you had been more welcoming like oh yeah come down we've got a coach we've got someone who will run you through it you can try like three times or whatever because that's what governor sterling archers do mm. they have like a three try thing and then the other thing is when people come down three times, right, if they can sort out any dickheads, you know, if mm. there's any, like, idiots or they know, like, no, this guy's not suited, they can just, like, say no. You That's know, one say, of the, the things I've found about living in WA. So I've lived in South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria and WA and travelled to America and around the world quite a bit. But I've found WA is quite clicky in terms of, shooting and they're very yeah. territorial and that's yeah. why I was outraged when I saw these gun limits come out five or ten because I heard that you know some shooters were saying well we only need four for our discipline so they actually answered the question that was put to them by the minister and the police how many guns do you think a person should own that there should be no limits on what a law-abiding firearm owner <laughs> can own as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Why would you even give an answer to that question? And that's why I'm a little bit disappointed with watching what's happening with the shooting organisations at the moment because, like I said at the start of the show, the time for talking to Papalia and and consultation, which is disingenuous, has been found to be disingenuous, is over. It's time to get the community on side and that starts with the clubs and shooters taking people to the range. And But I will... I will say with my federal campaign, so I got about 30,000, 35,000 votes and I genuinely think that was because of shooters. So they yeah. in the in the past, like you were saying, they don't vote on the issue, which is why shooters and fishers haven't done 
as well. But for me, I found the opposite, that they did vote for me in that in that situation. So hopefully in March 2025, when the next state election is, and we also have a federal election that year, so it's going to be a very busy period of time, mm. uh, I, I genuinely hope that shooters actually vote on the issue. And that's why I'm trying to activate especially new shooters. And I get a lot of messages from people my age and younger, like young blokes who work in the mines and they have the disposable income and they love shooting and they love yeah. the long range shooting and the discipline involved in that and they're saying to me well well what's the future of our sport look like and I'm trying to have the conversations with the men in charge and it is men I'm not using that disrespectfully the men in charge of the shooting organizations who are older and you know that they've got their clubs and they've got their guns so they're not thinking about defending the future for the next generation and that's what they have to turn their minds to and that's why I'm screaming about it Please. Yeah, we yeah. need to get. They need to get better organised. I see the same thing in the fishing industry because I um, mm. I basically had like a whole career. I think I mentioned it in the intro thing in the fishing industry, yeah. and I saw the same kind of thing. Like everybody wants the same thing. They've got all valid scientific arguments, all backed up by fact, but as a group, they just get nothing done. And there's really sort of, um, I did a podcast with my mate Starlo, you know, and we talked about it. And man, I actually asked him right. I said, what do you fishing, think fishing will be like in 100 years? And it kind of shocked me, right, Kate? But mm. when I just sat back and thought about it, I thought he, he's right, right. You know what he said? He goes, oh, I don't reckon there'll be any fishing. Mm. He goes, in some ways, I reckon we're the last of the weekends. And he said, from the point of view, he said, eventually, like, the, the cutbacks will just get more and more because that's all we've seen in the fishing industry is just, like, they just keep slamming it, slamming it, slamming it. And, you know, even the latest demersal, like, ban, I won't even go into it, right? But you can mount a very good scientific argument to say, like, there is no real problem, right? Um, there's issues with the commercial sector and all the rest of it. And then the imports, like, let's not even talk about that, the elephant mm. in the room. Mm. But, yeah, in, um, it just seems like, um, yeah, it's just getting worse and worse. And I, I kind of fear for shooting too. Like, you know, if people don't get together and don't get better organised collectively, it'll just keep getting, you know, harder and harder until eventually they'll say, well, oh, why do you need a gun? Mm. Well, they're saying that now. And and I would say in response is that is an example of the government destroying the culture, the traditions and our history. If they're going to take away our rights to fish or hunt or shoot, they are changing the culture of Australia. And I don't want to see an Australia where we can't go out fishing or hunting the indigenous australians that's what they did that was part of their traditions and culture too so it's actually quite racist what they're doing like all gun control is racist there was even a point in western australian history where indigenous people weren't allowed to own firearms i mean (laughs) have we forgotten that like this is what we're seeing and that's why I like thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to talk because I know a lot of people might, might not like what I have to say but we have to confront the ugly truth and it's yeah. time for like my party, Libertarian Party, to collect device yeah. and fight. So, I yeah. Like in Australia too, we've, got, mm. we've actually got a good opportunity to not go down the road of America because like I've got nothing wrong with people owning guns right but the problem is the horse bolted before they brought in decent, like, registration. Mm. And really, a lot of it comes down to, like, it's more about their mental health, I reckon, than guns. But the problem is they got, like, however many hundred million guns out in public. Like, you're never getting them all back. Whereas, like, mm. at least we've got an opportunity to, like, you know, do things properly, I see, going forward. You know what does give me hope? Because, like, don't worry, all this shit gets my head in and I'm like, 
man like you know and then like people like you give me hope but also you know like i tell people this right you know uh people like gorbachev right <laughs> and mm. yeltsin mm. because it showed me right that one good leader can actually make a difference because i saw russia like man when i first grew up right was in the middle of the cold war like i went to primary school in Canberra, Kate. they had fucking mm. government buses that propaganda buses that came around right showed us what to do if like a bomb went off and shit like mm. it was like a real thing like it was real then you know you get yelton and gorgeoff came along and they were more interested in like drinking vodka and just like mm. having parties and like that's not really true they you know they broke down the wall they repaired mm. you know talks with america and mm. it showed me like oh actually you know one good leader can make a difference and then obviously uh you know old mate putin came along now and you're fucking back to square one mm. so it kind of does give me hope and that's where like you know you know, like I said, I wanted to encourage you to like, yeah, it's going to be tough, but, you know, keep going forward because um, our country like needs people like you. And I also think that in like history, as I said before, I'm a bit of a history buff, you do see it swing from tyranny to liberty. And I yeah. want to be on that wrecking ball when the, the <laughs> tide turns. So that's why well, I've decided to stay in WA, even though I'm from South Australia and I was kept from travelling across the border for two and a half years. This government yeah. kept me from seeing my family, which I'll never forgive or forget. But I've decided to stay in WA because I see hope and I love this state and I love yeah. the lifestyle and the people here. It's a a beautiful part of australia but it's yeah. the politics it's the, in my opinion down. it's actually it's actually the best part yeah <laughs> you know and like i was born over east camera and spent a lot of time over there and i've been back to visit like many many times but um mm. and for work as well but yeah i actually like i like the fact i tell people I like the fact that it's four thousand k's away <laughs> mm. you know from over there and it's interesting that you kind of settled on that as well yeah, I mean, it was hard and it is a bit isolating sometimes. Like, for example, my great auntie passed away this week, so I couldn't get back for the funeral. My mum and dad are oh, in Melbourne God. this weekend for the Carlton Collingwood game for my dad's birthday, so I miss out on that. But I yeah. feel like they're, they're proud of me for sticking to my guns <laughs> and, yeah. and staying here and, and fighting for something I believe that's worth fighting for. And WA is worth fighting for. It's, you know, I, I actually it's agree good, with you. It's the best it's part of place. Australia. Mm. It, it's a good place because it's kind of like, like it'll be a shit fight, but it'll be less, mm. than a, a less of a shit fight than if you try to do it over East. And it's a good place to actually get like a half decent platform. I well, I was in Victoria helping the Lib Dems for the state election in November. Um, and you're right, that, that even though I find like Victoria was quite co contrarian, so there were a lot of people who were who loved Dan Andrews, but there were a lot of people that hated him, whereas yeah. opposed to here, it's not as divided. Like, uh, I found Victoria very, you know, contrarian, but they still ended up voting for Andrews again and more left-leaning, you know, Greens and animal justice people. So I know. This is the thing. One thing I've learned about elections, right, is that until people walk in that booth, you don't really know what's going to happen. Mm. Which you gives don't. me hope. But, yeah, and look, you know, um, I think I'm going back to no man's land. Um, mm. You know, those guys kind of summed it up too. And I'll, uh, one of the guys, uh, who was the two guys that were there on the last one? I can never remember their names. One of them. Josh He's and actually, Drew. Yeah. Mm. Um, I can't remember which one it is, sorry. But um, one of those guys, he's actually pretty funny. Like, I actually reckon 
if he sat down and wrote some shit, he could probably do stand-up, you know. It's probably Josh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it might be Josh, yeah. I actually reckon he's pretty funny, that guy. Um, I was going to, like, try and sow that seed maybe and just say, hey, you should have a crack at it, man, because some of the stuff that he just comes out with, like, mm. lit. But, yeah, he sort of said last week, um, you know, I think he's dead right. Like, no, the tide is turning because there is more people like us. And like I said to you when I was a kid, right, free thinkers just weren't heard of. The other thing is, you know, no way to – for us to do this to contact each other you mm. know to talk to each other and i do feel like you know i've got a pretty good you know judge of society like i said you know me and corbett we picked all of the last bunch of elections and we do feel that like there is a growing ten, you know p- p- trend like people are starting to figure this shit out and starting to figure that you know they're shitting on us we need like you know to make sure that you know as long as you're doing the right thing you won't have any issues. So yeah, it does. Um, it does give me hope. And then obviously talking to people like you today, and I think like we've got to be careful not to get too um caught up in the negativity because like mm. it'll do your head in, as you know. Like some of the stuff that's going on, it's like straight out of mind camp. You know what I mean? But, I know. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to thank you for coming on for um yeah, giving me your time today. And was there anything else you wanted to add? And you also um yeah, just let people know um where they can find you online, your socials and all that. Yeah, so I'm a bit of a meme queen as well. Oh, yeah, so, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> I get quite a good laugh out of those, yeah. yeah well, like see, the, the other thing is culture predates politics, right? Yes. Well, so, this is the thing with Lady Liberty. That's kind of what mm, you're doing there. Well, I'm trying, but, you know, there's comedians out there uh, like Corey White, Amos Gill, uh, even the No Man's Land guys, people like yourself doing podcasts. Like we're all got an important role to play um so so i use my social media and my taxes theft dress which was you know a troll on aoc's tax the rich i think that was one of the first shots i saw of you oh really like yeah, I was like, oh, fuck. The Gadswan, the Gadswan flag, that was me, the don't tread on me yeah. using the, the swan. Um, did you yeah, did so a calendar, the, didn't you? I did a calendar. I did a Lady Liberty calendar. I didn't really make any money out of it, but I just did it no, that's all right. for fun. Hey, and, all that and stuff it. helps. And I know you come from marketing, right? Mm. It, like if my marketing coach would have said to you, you need 10 calendars. And what he means by that is just 10 little things, but they mm. all add up. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying. Well, I noticed you. So. Thank you. I mean, it's just me. I do have a few people volunteering to help out. Like I've got a, a meme guy who uh, helps me as well. And, you know, we bounce off. I was going to ask you, do you make them? Or? It, it's, yeah. a, it's a collaborative effort, but I've got a really fantastic supporter who reached out to me during my Senate campaign and was like, okay. he's actually a, um, a an anesthetist who works in a hospital and he does it as a form of uh like relaxation is he makes these things that's his things and he he's a big supporter of mine so we are always like I talk to him every day um so I'm really grateful I like I said before I have some really like great strong powerful men in my corner it's not just me and you can't do it alone Mm. All right. Well, I'll just uh, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate well, you giving you. me your time. Thank you. It was a great conversation. Um, I knew it would. I had a really good feeling. So I'm, yeah, I'm sorry look, it we, while, we fell out of the same tree. We hit a few different branches on the way down. But, <laughs> um, but if, if anyone wants to support me or follow me, I'm on uh, Facebook, Kate Fantanelle Lady Liberty, Instagram, Lady Liberty Australia, and Twitter, Lady Liberty Australia as well. So that's how you can stay on. Stand follow follow wherever I end up, wherever the fight takes me. 